It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G, D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 oh. Hello, Dodger fans, and welcome to Locked On Dodgers. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. This is a daily podcast coming to Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I'm Vince Samperio, Chavez Green Fiends. And I'm back, and with me, as almost always, is Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential. Jeff, missed you yesterday, but how are you doing? I'm good. Did you have fun at the county fair? I did. Did I you had eat corn a, dogs and funnel cake? Uh, yeah, actually, well, I had a funnel cake. I had a burger with donut uh, bun. Oh, and, and, was yeah. it good? It actually was. It was, uh, it was just because it's just burger, like the patty, the cheese, and the donut if you try to probably put condiments probably not great yeah that still doesn't appeal to me at all like burgers ketchup is as sweet as i can get on a burger yeah i was i wasn't sure what to expect but i didn't mind it was actually pretty good but uh yeah yeah i was gonna say maybe i'll try that sometime but i don't think another fattening thing to eat is what i actually need in my life right now yeah i i try to say that i walked enough yesterday to it, not anywhere near to work it off, but maybe I worked half of it off. Hey, you'll always be the skinny guy in this podcast duo. <laughs> there we go. All right, we are here to talk Dodgers. Dodgers lost a not great game last night. We'll touch on a couple points from that game, namely two players, and then we'll move on a little bit into kind of how trade negotiations go and why, while we do like to slam dunk people on Twitter, why, you know, it is, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, but before all that, a reminder to subscribe to Locked On Dodgers. You can do so on the Himalaya app or wherever you get your podcasts. When you get in your car, tell your smart device to play a podcast, Locked On Dodgers. Also, support of Locked On Dodgers comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaping offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. That's 20% off at manscaped.com with the promo code locked on. You can uh, groom yourself if you need to do so. I made Vince read that promo because I don't have body hair or even facial hair. So there you go. And you know, Jeff owes me for blue shoes. So, or I owe Jeff for blue shoes. Yes, you do. <laughs> All right. So let's get into it. Dodge last uh, nine to one was the final score and not too great. Uh, but one person that came up, for a few reasons, and who we've talked about before, but we'll get we'll talk a little bit more about it, is Jock Peterson. He was at first base again. He made a couple mistakes. One <laughs> one ground ball he tried to field, he messed it up so bad that it actually bounced to Max Muncy and ended up being an out. Uh, and then he was later benched by manager Dave Roberts for not running out of ground ball. So we're here to talk about a little bit about Jock and kind of his mindset and kind of how the experiment is going and how we feel about it. So, Jeff, I'll let you start. Yeah, uh, I thought it was funny that 
the only play the Dodgers had that actually scored a run was the play they got got a guy benched. But, uh, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, his RBI ground out, he didn't run. And, you know, it could have cost them. Uh, luckily, uh, Daniel Murphy was playing deep enough at first base that they didn't really have a chance to get Smith at home. But when the batter's not running, there's almost no risk in throwing to home and trying for the out because you can still get the get the out at first. But it didn't hurt, cost them. Uh, but it's not Jock's first run-in with, with lack of hustle. I've talked about it on this podcast before. He's not the worst defender in the league, uh, but, you know, I it's one of those things where that's not even hustle. That's giving minimum effort. When you hit the ball like that, you jog towards first until you're out, and, and that's all that's expected, and he couldn't even do that. So, uh, But, yeah, his defense, we've talked about it in the past. It's been really bad at first base. I talked yesterday about how if you're going to have Jock in the game – it's probably better to have him at first base where the defense doesn't hurt you as much as it would in left field because he is not the equal of Verdugo or Bellinger in the outfield. And so, you know, if you're going to have him in the game, put him at first base, that's fine, I guess. Uh, but the question lately has become, uh, is keeping Jock's bat in the game really <laughs> that much of a priority? Uh, you know, in the last eight weeks or so, since June 2nd, uh, he is batting, basically he's got like a 625 OPS in the last eight weeks, which is really, really bad. Austin Barnes levels almost. Yeah. I mean, 625, it, it sounds like a big number, but remember that's on base percentage plus slugging percentage. And what you'd expect from a guy like Jock is an on base percentage between 330 and 350 and a slugging percentage between 450 and 500 which means, you know, worst case scenario, you're looking at a 780 OPS. Best case scenario, more like 900. 780 to 900 is what you expect from a guy like Jock Peterson. 625 is a lot lower than either of those numbers. And, uh, you know, we we saw, I got a couple messages on Twitter today saying, well, maybe it's playing first base that's causing the problem. And, you know, that doesn't quite fit with the timeline because in the almost three weeks leading up to uh, when he changed positions, he was batting in 14 games from June 2nd to June 19th. His first time at first base was June 20th. So from June 2nd to June 19th, he batted 089 with a 146 on base percentage and a 222 slugging percentage. That is an OPS of added up 368. So 368 is... Mm -hmm. Uh, not even half of what you expect from Jock. So this slump started well before he moved to first base. Uh, now, maybe learning a new position is making it worse uh, and making it harder to break out of the slump, but it's not the cause of the slump. Uh, but ultimately, we're at a point now where it's like, I'm kind of hoping they'll face some lefties so Jock can sit on the bench for a while. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's been a lot with Jock and that, I don't necessarily know if we're making excuses for him. I don't think that's the I don't think that's the way people are, are trying to approach it. I think they're just trying to find out why. Uh, you know, we had the home run derby and people we we were quick to let everyone know that Jock was already struggling before he did the home run derby. And like you said, he was struggling before he started playing first base. And while I'm sure first base is not, you know, playing first base is, is taking up some of his mental capacity. Uh 
he should find home at the plate where, you know, he would want to be anyways. So I'm not really sure, you know, what to make of it. Like I said, it's, for me, it's kind of to the point we both said that we're fine with the experiment jack at first. We don't have an issue with this, especially when they're, when they're up. But for me, I mean, it's almost getting to the point where maybe they just got to end it. And he's not really in, there's not really significant improvement in any aspect really at first base. Uh, maybe his footwork a little bit, but he not, not anything too great to write home about. And the fact of the matter is he's not hitting. So, you know, getting his bat in the lineup may not necessarily be a big deal. And we'll, maybe we'll see, you know, Muncie back at first a little bit and the new guy they got uh, from the Mariners in at second base. And, and he's not a big hitter either, but he might be able to, improve the defense and I'm sure he can probably hit 625 OPS maybe. So, uh, you know, Jeff, do you feel that it's almost the end of this experiment? Do they keep going? What you, where are you at on this? Yeah. I mean, the problem is there's not really much else to do unless somebody else gets hurt. Uh, one of the outfielders, because, um, he doesn't, I mean, I guess you could make a case that he maybe would deserve to start over Pollock against, right-handers maybe um but you know and and so put jock in left and doogie in center um but otherwise you know jock isn't he's not doing anything that makes you say he deserves playing time right now and obviously you're not going to break out of your slump without playing time but how long do you really or how do you justify sitting somebody who's better now the fact is alex verdugo has been slumping for the last couple weeks and uh that's what we call a segue in the, in the podcast biz, Uh, you know, Verdugo in the last three weeks or so, uh, July 2nd to now his OPS is 671 in that time, uh, which isn't much better. Uh, He is batting average 229, 286 on base percentage, 386 slugging percentage. Now we don't expect quite the same amount of power from Verdugo, but we expect higher batting average and higher on base percentage probably. And so, really, you're still looking for at least, you know, 750 from Verdugo in that situation. Uh, but the the fact is, Verdugo is better defensively than Jock. So, even with Verdugo struggling, it wouldn't it it's hard to justify benching him in favor of Jock. So I don't know where Jock goes. I, I I expect Verdugo to break out of his slump. I don't expect it to be long. He's been striking out too much lately. Um, but I think he will snap out. And I do think Jock will eventually snap out too. I just don't know where to play him or how to justify continuing to play him when he's playing like this. Yeah, and that and that's really where it's at is, you know, he's not hitting enough to justify being put in a position where he's, you know, hurting the team. Uh, nothing too crazy. Like I said, he's not costing them all these games. Maybe a couple games here and a couple runs here and there. Maybe, but uh, or definitely runs, maybe not games. But, I mean, that's really where it's at. And, like I said, with Verdugo struggling, which I don't know. I don't – I wouldn't say it's a rookie wall because he's played, uh, you know, in the minors you play just as many games as you do in the majors and probably in worse conditions when you're on buses and all that. So, uh, I think he's just maybe in his head a little bit. You can see him a little bit frustrated lately. Uh, he's been striking out a lot more, like you said. But the defense hasn't changed. And I mean, and AJ Pollock had another play last night that doesn't really show that he's a prolifically great center fielder defensively. So that might still be a move later on, and maybe Pollock and Jock become a not a 
pure platoon, but a maybe platoon type and left as we move forward, depending how things go. Pollock's been struggling lately too. So, you know, a lot of guys are kind of struggling lately. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they're still winning more games than they're losing, but it's been a little bit lot, injuries and everything else. There's been a lot going on with the Dodgers, but they're still holding it down. And, you know, maybe the, the, the front office will make a move and it'll rejuvenate the team a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, something's going to happen in the next couple of days on the trade deadline market. And who knows, you know, who knows if any of the guys on the current Major League roster will be getting traded. You know, don't know what's going to happen. But, uh, yeah, basically, when it comes to Jock and Verdugo, we have a lot more questions and answers. But at least we able, we were able to fill up a segment talking about it, right? Well, there you go. That's all we really need uh, from these Dodgers on a daily basis. All right, that'll do it for the first half. Second half, we'll get into some trade deadline and negotiation talk. Uh, just another quick reminder to subscribe to the show wherever you think we sound best, whatever uh, podcast app you use, whatever you want to listen to. We're not here to judge. Just make sure you hit that subscribe button and we'll be right back. All right, let's take a quick break. For the next minute or two, we're going to talk about SEX. So if you have any KIDS in the CAR, go ahead and plug their EARS for a minute, okay? Hope I spelled all those words right, and I hope you could tell what they meant. Uh, Have you ever gone to the barber and wondered why there's a bunch of gray hairs on the ground when they're done cutting your hair? Or have you ever played catch with your son and then you feel like a truck hit you for the next couple days? Or maybe when it comes to the sexy times, are you maybe just maybe a little less always ready to go than you were when you were younger? Don't answer those questions out loud, and please do not tweet your answers at us. It's none of our business. In fact, to quote Michael Jackson from back when we were allowed to acknowledge his existence, ain't nobody's business but mine and my baby. That's where BlueChew.com comes in. If you want to increase your performance and get some extra confidence in bed, check out BlueChew. That's blue as in I bleed Dodger blue and chew as in Madison Bumgarner likes to chew out opponents who pimp homers or flip bats or look at him because he's a crybaby and a stunted immaturity, whatever he is. Ugh. Anyway, Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. But the best part is, Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so there's no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants a boost in the bedroom, either in quality, quantity, or both. I mean, I obviously don't have any problems in that department. I don't mean to brag, but I do have three whole kids. But I have to admit, even I am a little bit intrigued. So anyway, right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo code MLB to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring Locked On Dodgers. All right. We are back in second half. Means obscure a Dodger of the day. So I wanted to find a dot. I've been trying to have a theme of uh, July trades for these Dodger obscure Dodger of the day. And then Jeff, when I was looking for one, mentioned a connection to the Rockies. 
And this guy met both the criteria. So he's our obscure Dodger for the day. And that's Scott Potsednik, who I had forgot was on the Dodgers. So uh, when I saw his name in one of the July trades, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about him. Scott Potsednik was an outfielder. Uh, He played with the Dodgers. He came over in 2010 in a July trade. He didn't do so great in 39 games. He had a 648 OPS, uh, six doubles, a triple, one home run, five stolen bases, caught stealing three times. So, you know, not a, not the greatest July trade that the Dodgers made, but he was an 11-year veteran. He came up with the Mariners, and he went to the Brewers. His most success was with the White Sox. Then he played with the Rockies in 2008, and then back to the White Sox, the Royals and finish his career in Boston at the age of 36. Uh, like I said, I don't remember much about his Dodger tenure. I didn't even remember he was a Dodger. Uh, but I do remember him with the White Sox. That 2005 season was big for him. He was an all-star. He stole a bunch of bases. He had a big home run. And was it the World Series or the playoffs? Uh, I think it was in the 2005 World Series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a uh, big walk-off home run that year. So... Yeah, Scott Podsednik. Uh, Jeff, you got anything on Scott? Uh, yeah, he was the white Wampier uh, in that he was fast and he was significantly worse defensively than you expect a fast guy to be. And he threw with his left hand and threw the way uh, you would expect your right-handed four-year-old to throw with his left hand, uh, which awesome. is not very well. That all sounds right. All right. So let's get into kind of not necessarily trade talks with specific players, but just kind of the negotiation process. We saw today Buster only tweeted out that uh, the Dodgers and Pirates are kind of in a, in a impasse right now because the Pirates want Gavin Lux, the Dodgers uh, top prospect and the Dodgers don't want to give up Lux. And I saw at least on my side, a little bit on Dodgers Twitter, there was a lot of, you know, people, Pirates fans, you know, basically saying, well, yeah, we want, you know, guys, Felipe Vasquez is really, really, really good. And then Dodger fans saying, well, yeah, but, you know, we can offer you other stuff. So, you know, I think, and I mean, we all like to slam dunk when there's crazy trade demands. I mean, when the Bellinger Romuto stuff came out or whenever else there's something else comes out. Uh, you know, we're going to we're going to slam dunk on it on Twitter. We're going to talk about it on Twitter. But, you know, the, the fact of the matter is the Pirates should ask for Gavin Lux and the Dodgers should say no. And that's really how negotiations start and how they go from there. And I think at least on Andrew Friedman's side, we've seen is that he, he doesn't give up what he doesn't want to give up and maybe up what he does realizing that and maybe negotiation with the Dodgers are a little different. We don't know. We're not in the room. We're not a part of all that. But yeah, Jeff, I mean, we this is the art of the negotiation. I mean, like I said, there's no no side is wrong and asking for a top prospect for, and there's nothing wrong with the team saying no and them going from there. Yeah, what I think is silly is fans arguing with each other about Andrew Friedman would never make that trade. Neil Huntington would never make that trade. You don't know what trades these guys would make. Come on. Um, so I, I, I don't enjoy that part of it. I like dunking on the Marlins for asking for Cody Bellinger. It's fair game. Dunking on a, a fan for being attached emotionally to getting Gavin Lux for Felipe Vasquez. It's like, whatever, you know, let's just wait and see what happens, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right that it's a negotiation. 
uh, you know, you just, you, you just, uh, you're in job negotiations right now and there's always a back and forth, you know, um, the, somebody makes you an offer and you say, well, here's my counter offer. And then you eventually meet in the middle. Right. And, and that's how, that's how trades work too. It's, you know, the pirates would be stupid to have their internal discussions and say, you know what, we're willing to trade Felipe Vasquez for this package and then go to the Dodgers and say, this is the package we want. You always shoot higher. You say, okay, we will accept this. That's what you say internally. And then you say, we want this plus three, you know, that's how you negotiate. And I mean, the real problem is that, that these things are getting leaked out. And, and that's the annoying part because, you know, I'm sure this is the way negotiations have always happened. You know, when Al Holland got traded for George Hendrick in 1985, uh, I'm sure there were negotiations back and forth and they eventually settled on that. Uh, I wonder if Al Holland ever got traded for George Hendrick. Can you, uh, can you check that for me while I'm, while I'm talking? But yeah, this is how uh, negotiations have always been in every aspect of life, including baseball trade talks. And so, yeah, I do think that most likely Andrew Friedman, Andrew Friedman has Gavin Lux on his untouchable list. And, you know, so whatever the Pirates want, it's not going to be Gavin Lux, which either means the Pirates dig their heels in and don't make a trade or more likely the Pirates come down and say, OK, well, then we want this instead. And maybe, you know, um, I doubt that the Pirates went with their one and only offer, said, no, nope, if we don't get Gavin Lux, we're not trading him. I'm sure there's other guys in the Dodgers farm system that they would like and that they could get. And, you know, whether that ends up meaning a trade happens or not, we'll see Vasquez is a guy who they don't necessarily need to move because he has like four years of team control left. Um, but, you know, when you're a struggling team like the Pirates and knowing the volatility of relievers, it would be kind of stupid for them not to trade him because who knows how good he's going to be in a year or two. So, yeah, yeah. check it on that. He wasn't traded for George Hendrick. He was traded with George Hendrick. Oh, that's right. In 1985. Uh, I'm trying to remember who else was in that trade. What, what Was it the Cardinals and yeah. the... It was between the Pirates and the Angels. Pirates and the Angels. Oh, Bob Kipper was in that trade, wasn't he? Yes, he was the player to be named later in that trade. Nice. You haven't even heard of Bob Kipper, have you? <laughs> I have not. Look at my hands. Bob. I'm not typing anything, Vince. This is all <laughs> no, off my I'm head. Not. I believe you. I've I've known you long enough to know, you know, a lot of things that most people wouldn't know. I'm trying to remember who else would, was Rupert Jones in that trade. No, no. Tell me There's, the trade. It was John Candelaria, George Hendrick, and Al Holland to the Angels for Mike Brown, Pat Clements, and then Bob Kipper. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But I guarantee you, the Pirates wanted. Uh, Whoever I just said, who did I say? Rupert yeah. Jones. Yeah, I'm sure they did. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and the thing with the Dodgers and what we, like I said, what I brought up and what we've seen is that they're not going to give up, you know, more than what they need. Uh, there was the, the report from Joel Sherman that you know Andrew Friedman might be a little more willing to overpay a bit, uh, but even the way that was worded was not overpay completely. It was overpay a bit or slightly or something like to that extent. And, you know, the big part of it is that the Dodgers have a pretty core team right now. They got Bellinger and I mean, their outfield's 
pretty much set for the next few years with Doogie and Pollock's deal and Bellinger. And then they got Seager up the middle. They got Will Smith now at catcher. And Max Muncie saw a couple of years. And he, you know, he's a core guy now. And then everyone else kind of fills in. Turner's got one more year. And then, you know, everyone else kind of fills in from there. So, like we said before, is this is this might be the year they, they are willing to over, quote unquote, overpay a little bit. But, uh, you know, I think it every year that the, the, the trade that or the the market changes last year, a top catching prospect named Francisco Mejia got Brad Hand and another reliever. And then this year, Felipe Vasquez, who's, you know, a, a good, very, 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 very good reliever like Brad Hand was last year. Uh, it says the Pirates want a top catching prospect, Keeper Ruiz, and maybe more. And now they're asking for the top other prospect in Gavin Lux. So you know, everything changes, the market changes. Uh, the one thing, other thing I just kind of want to get into is, you know, fans complaining already. Uh, I can't understand if you complain on August 1st and the Dodgers didn't pick up anybody, but complaining on July 29th that the Dodgers haven't got anybody, it's just, you know, why? what's the, you, you know, I don't get it. Uh, because there's still time to go. And like I said, on August 1st, if they, well, if they don't trade for anybody on August 1st, I'm sure Jeff and I will be here talking about why they didn't do so. And the other part of it is that not a lot of guys are getting traded. I mean, there's been a few little trades. The Stroman trade is the biggest one, but the Dodgers were linked to him, but nothing really serious. So everybody yeah. just step back and relax. Until somebody you want the Dodgers to get actually gets traded to somebody other than the Dodgers, quit your whining, you know? And and the worst is the ones who say, oh, just like always, Friedman's not going to do anything. Fraudman's just going to stand pat like always, totally forgetting that the last three years they've literally gotten the best player available. Don't talk to me about Justin Verlander. I've been through that a thousand times. Um, you know, the Friedman is going to address the needs. And that's kind of what I read between the lines on the willing to overpay comment was basically willing to trade good stuff for a reliever, which is not what Fraudman has ever done. Fraudman. Friedman. Uh, um, he's uh, never been the guy to trade good prospects for big-name relievers because, in general, that's not a good idea because relievers are very volatile. There's no guarantee that Felipe Vasquez will be good the rest of this year, let alone the next three or four years that he's still under contract. Um, you know, and, and so that's kind of what I read into it because that's really the Dodgers weakness right now is the bullpen and they've addressed the biggest need every year and they're going to do it again. And this year that's going to mean trading prospects for relievers and uh, they're going to do it. And I'm not worried about it. I'm interested to see how it turns out. I'm still hoping for a, a trade for Syndergaard and Diaz with the Mets. Uh, yeah. But you know, who, who knows what they're going to do. Yeah, like that, that, and that's the big part of it. We don't know anything other than what's leaked, and even though, in, or you know, it gets tweeted out by the reporters. Uh, but even then, you know, every everybody has a reason for something to get leaked, and so that's the other part of it. With you know, when tweets come out like that, uh, you know, with the report that that only tweeted that we talked about this earlier is, you know, who knows who told them that? Did the Dodgers really leak that? Did the Pirates leak that? Did you know an agent leak that? We don't know. We don't know where it's come from. Yeah. But it's fun to it's you know it's fun to mess around with on Twitter. But at the end of the day, we don't really know what's going on. And until July thirty first at one p.m. PT comes, we don't know what's going to happen. And it's going to be fun the next couple of days. And the Dodgers will be playing 
as the trade deadline is going finishes. So oh, that'll be uh, interesting too. Yep. All right. That will do it for today's show. Thank you for listening to Locked on Dodgers. We will be back tomorrow, maybe to talk about a trade. We don't know. But if not, we will definitely talk about the game the Dodgers played against the Rockies and anything else that comes with that. Uh, remember, you can subscribe to the show wherever you think we sound best, whatever podcast app you use. Just type in Locked on Dodgers and hit subscribe. If you like the show, then you need to show us. You guys have been doing a pretty good job for those of you that already have rated and reviewed us. Thank you. If you've only rated, thank you. If you've only reviewed, thank you. I don't know if you can review without rating. But if you haven't done any of those, please do so on iTunes. Help us get those numbers up. Help us get that exposure. And you can also help us get exposure by telling your friends and family and retweeting our tweets or sharing our Instagram or whatever you whatever you feel comfortable sharing with whoever you know. Get us out there. Put us out there. Help us out. Uh, you know, and subscribe. Listen every day. Download all that other good stuff. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at LockedOnDodgers. You can follow Jeff at Snydog. You can follow me at Ben Samperio. If you want to call and leave us a voicemail, you can do so at 323-863-LOCK. That's 323-863-LOCK. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us. When you get in your car, tell your smart device to play a podcast locked on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. Talk to you later. D. I say D-O. D-O-D-G-E-R-S. The team that's all hard. All heart and all thumbs, they're my Los Angeles, your Los Angeles, our Los Angeles. Do you think we'll really win the pennant? Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.